Well, uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Long Crendon Baptist Church on what's a really lovely sunny morning, isn't it? Um, welcome to everybody here in the building and, of course, at home uh, online. Uh, I'm Simon Howard. I'm one of the elders here at Long Crendon. Uh, we, now, we might be in separate locations, but, of course, we are one family, aren't we? We're one family worshipping the name of Jesus here this morning. And isn't it a privilege to be able to gather at last uh, in fellowship together as brothers and sisters? Now, last weekend we celebrated Easter, uh, the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this week we're starting a series now in 1 Peter. And Colin today is going to preach on the joy of being a Christian. Let me uh, read just one verse from the reading today. 1 Peter 1 verse 8. It says this, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So let me ask you a question today. Are you today, this morning, filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Maybe from some of your faces, yes, maybe not. But are you filled with joy when you think about what Jesus has done for you at Easter, what he did on the cross for you? Are you filled with joy? Are you filled with joy when you think about the security of your salvation, when you think about your future with Jesus in heaven? Are you filled with an inexpressible joy, because that's what the service is about today. But maybe like many, on the back of a year of lockdown, a year of uncertainty, maybe you're filled with fear and anxiety and stress. Well, if that's you, then let's all of us today cast aside our burdens and let's fix our eyes on Jesus this morning. Shall we pray? Father God, thank you that we are able to fellowship together in your name this morning. Lord Jesus, we cannot see you, but we believe in you. And we thank you for all that you have done on the cross. Because of you, Lord Jesus, we are receiving the salvation of our souls. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you anoint us afresh this morning open our hearts, our minds and our ears so that we can receive your word today and fill us today with your love and your glorious joy. Amen. Now I think there's only one thing uh, you can do when you think about the cross, when you think about what Jesus has done for you. There's only one thing left to do, isn't there? And that is to praise his name. So shall we stand now? Let's stand um, to praise him. Now let's do that now. But I was thinking, we're not allowed to sing in church. Yes, we can hum. But I thought, why don't we read a psalm together? Because psalms are worship songs, aren't they? So I thought we'd read Psalm 96 together. Hopefully the words will come up behind me on the screen. Um, Let's read Psalm 96. It's a beautiful praiseworthy psalm. Let's read that before we then move into our sung worship. 
Psalm 96. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations. His marvelous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of nations. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord. For he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. Yes, Lord, we declare that you are our king of kings. You are the king of all peoples on earth. And we praise your name today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the God of heaven living in us. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our gentle saviour, our closest friend. Thank you that we live in the light of your resurrection. Thank you, Jesus, that you endured the pain of the cross and separation from your Father as you took upon our sins. Thank you, Lord, that you are our deliverer and that you've clothed us in royal robes that we don't deserve. Lord, we love you and we bow down at your feet this morning. Father God, we pray that you will equip us to serve you in whatever way that you call us. We want to serve you, Lord, not out of duty, but out of love. Not out of our own strength, but in your mighty power. Lord, give us opportunities to share your gospel. To share your love with our neighbours, our friends, our families. And Lord, may we make a difference in our neighbourhood. May people see you, Jesus, reflected in us and the way that we lead our lives. Lord, may your love and your joy shine out of us. And Father, forgive us for the times that we sin, the times that we disobey your commands, the times we speak or think in ungodly ways, the times we don't do what you call us to do. 
and the times when we don't trust you fully. Lord Jesus, we thank you that in forgiving us, you make us holy and that we are able to come into the presence of our Father in heaven. Thank you, Lord, that we're emerging from lockdown. And in this country, we've been blessed, Lord, by our amazing NHS, a superb vaccine rollout program. Lord, we know how blessed we are. We know that there are many places in this world without the resources that we have in this country. And we pray, Lord, that you guide our government as they continue to make decisions on our behalf. And we thank you, Lord, for our Queen, who also serves you faithfully and worships you as her King. And this week, Lord, we lift her to you as a woman, a a woman grieving the loss of her husband. And we pray that you continue to comfort her and strengthen her in the days and weeks to come. Lord, we pray for the wider rollout of the vaccine into poorer nations. And we pray for that day when COVID is fully under control everywhere. And in the meantime, Lord, would you comfort those who mourn, those who are starving and in poverty, and those who feel that they have no hope. Please comfort them, Lord. Thank you, Father. And we ask all these prayers in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, the Bible reading for this morning is found in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. O Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the suffering of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you, 
when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Thank you, Deborah. Um, Let's just uh, pray before we come to the word. Father God, we thank you for the amazing privileges we have as Christians. Uh, We pray, Father, that you would be at work this morning by your spirit uh, to compel us to see the amazing wonder and joy that we have as followers of you. I pray that you would lead us, Lord, by your spirit. Empower me as I preach. Help us to be changed by your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this morning we're going to be thinking about the joy of being a Christian. And as we think about the joy of being a Christian, we're also confronted with the reality of life, because life can be quite harsh at times. As the as Peter speaks about this in his letter, he says, many of us go through many trials or all kinds of trials. The question is, how do we respond to them? How do you and I respond to the various trials in your life? And what does God say about that? Because life can be hard, can't it? In my own personal devotions in the morning, I'm going through the book of Job And as Job deals with suffering, well, his friends, they try to comfort him, but they end up doing more harm than good. They assume that there's a straight line between sin and suffering, that all suffering is a result of sin. But the trials that we face, they're not that clean cut. In fact, often we're left with more questions than answers. Like, what do you say to a woman praying for her husband to know the Lord, but he continues to just not care? What do you say to a Christian with a tyrant as a boss? What do you say to a believer in the workplace under pressure to conform to the new company policies? What do you say to the older Christian struggling with loneliness, or even the younger Christian trying to live a life of purity in a life, in a, in a place where sex is everything? What does Jesus say about that? Well, as we think about these things, we're continuing our theme of holiness on uh, this this message this morning as we start a series on 1 Peter. And it's written by the Apostle Peter around 62-63 AD to Christians in what is now modern-day Turkey. And according to church tradition, Peter was martyred by the ruthless Emperor Nero a couple of years after the letter was written. And so some think that the context of the letter is like that of North Korea or China today, where there is state-sponsored persecution. But there's not, in this context, it's not state-sponsored persecution, but instead cultural pressure. The pressure to conform to the cultural values of the day. And isn't that really where we find ourselves today? For us today, it might be okay to be a Christian, just as long as you don't take your faith too seriously. Don't let it impact every area of your life, because if you do, well, you might come into problems. And that's why First Peter is really a powerful letter for us today. It's written in the first century, but it's just as relevant to us in the 21st century today. Because Peter point, Peter's point is to say that even though we may go through trials, 
we can really rejoice in being a Christian. We can rejoice because your salvation, our salvation, is a work of the Trinity, and because we have a heavenly inheritance, because our trials have a purpose, and because you have amazing privileges. As we look at verse 1 there, we see that our salvation is a work of the Trinity. We see that Paul, sorry, Peter is apostle, an apostle of Jesus Christ. It's, in its simplest form, apostle means messenger. Uh, but, but Peter's office as an apostle is a distinct one and no longer operates today. Uh, to be an apostle of Jesus is to have been sent by Jesus Christ himself, uh, to have seen the risen Lord, and to have the authority to write scripture, equal to that of Old Testament prophets. And whilst Peter is aware of his past failures, having renounced Jesus three times, God, in his amazing grace, uses him, a humbled man, for the purposes of God. Peter uses Old Testament language as a Jew, Old Testament language speaking of New Testament people, as now both Jews and Gentiles are God's chosen people. Peter describes them as God's elect exiles. They are God's elect as they are called to be set apart from the world. And and exiles as they are like foreigners in a world that is not their home. Heaven is their home. And they are God's chosen people scattered in an area which today we call Turkey. An interesting thing that really some things haven't really changed much since Peter's day. Because today in Turkey, it is the 25th most persecuted country in the whole world. And whilst it's not illegal to be a Christian there, more subtle forms of discrimination take place, such as Christians finding it difficult, if not impossible, to get a job with the government. Here in the UK, we, we might face, face similar persecution, similar struggles, maybe the, the challenge to not speak of Christ at the workplace, or not not really want to testify in any way. Maybe the, the challenge to, to live a life of purity in a sex-obsessed culture. And in the context of First Peter, many were saying that you can hold your view that Jesus is Lord so long as you say that Caesar is Lord too. And therefore, to say that Jesus is Lord alone, well, that will lead to a lot of pressure pressure from the culture and therefore peter wants to ground them he wants to ground them in the depths of their salvation because he could have said you know don't worry about it things will be all right things will get better or he could have said you know well you're doing really well much better than i ever would but no he wants to build them in a really solid foundation with the harsh persecution on the horizon And so he does it by lifting their gaze to the glorious work of the Trinity. And he wants to lift our eyes today, this morning, to see that our salvation is a work of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That according to the foreknowledge or the Father's knowing love, as that's the meaning of the word in the context, you were chosen from eternity past to be one of God's children. That even as you lived as a stranger to God, God our Father placed his hand upon you 
and said, you are mine. He reached out to those that didn't love him. That that we would become his children. That we would be loved by him. And what a marvel that is. What an amazing gift that is that he would reach out to us. And he chose us, as it says, by being sanctified by the work of the Spirit. That is, making you holy and pure in his sight. That the Spirit of God is continually working in you to make you holy. And the Father and the Son work together to make us obedient to the Son, to Jesus Christ. Drawing us to him, to know him, to love him, and live a life of adoration and obedience to him. And because of that, we we love him. Because of all the work of the Trinity. Because we are drawn into that life of the Trinity, we live a life of adoration to God as we are made holy by the sacrifice of Jesus, washed by his blood, cleansed by him, that we would be sprinkled by it to be made pure and holy. And so that now our Heavenly Father looks upon us with delight as we are holy and pleasing in his sight. As amazingly, all three members of the Trinity work together in our salvation, in your salvation and mine. That the Father chooses us in love, the Son accomplishes it on the cross, and the Holy Spirit applies it to our hearts. But maybe you think, like I do, you think of yourself and you think, well, who am I to deserve that? Because, Lord, you know my thoughts. You know the things that I do do, and you know the things that I don't do. I'm so unworthy, Lord. I sin against you every day. Every day. It must have been the same for for Peter as well, because in writing the letter, he had disowned the Lord three times, having boasted that he would die for him. And yet... Despite Peter's sin, despite our sin, God, in amazing grace, turns towards us. And he turns to us saying, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Peter combines the New Testament blessing of God's grace or God's unmerited favor with the Old Testament blessing of the peace or the shalom of God. That the grace and the peace of God would be yours in abundance. Wow. The only response is, wow. And then Peter points them to their heavenly inheritance. To your heavenly inheritance. As he says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Praise the God, our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because his mercy, because of his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. And where we deserve judgment for our sins, instead we receive mercy. Instead of leaving us dead in our sins, he gives us new birth. 
And what is the result of that new birth? A living hope. And God has done all this by raising Jesus Christ from the dead. As we celebrate Easter, we celebrate the risen Lord. And none of this is our work. This is all a work of his grace. A work of pure grace towards us. Wretched sinners like you and me. A work of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit bringing us close to him. Bringing us into intimate relationship with him. And not only that, but into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. I wonder if you've got family who have passed down things in the family to you, maybe a wedding dress or some furniture. It's beautiful at the time, but over time it starts to fade, the color starts to go, and maybe even holes begin to appear. And such are the things that we inherit from our family. But what we receive from our Heavenly Father, well, that's kept in heaven. That's kept in heaven for you. Our heavenly inheritance is eternal. It will never perish, spoil, or fade. Peter speaks about this because Christians at the time, well, they were being disinherited. And the interesting thing is this is still happening today, both in the UK and abroad. As according to Open Doors, in modern-day Turkey, which is where the letter is written to, converting to Christianity from Islam is not illegal, but converts will likely face opposition and pressure from their family and the local community. In some cases, this can lead to divorce or disinheritance. The dangers mean some believers lead a life, uh, lead a double life and hide their conversion. Therefore, the assurance that Peter speaks about, that it is kept in heaven, brings an enormous security and comfort. And not only security and comfort to persecuted Christians, but also to aged Christians. Because if your heavenly inheritance is kept in heaven for you, then it doesn't depend on your mental capacity to keep it. God will keep it. He will keep it by his power. And that is the picture that Peter is painting as he speaks of those who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Well, what exactly does that mean, the phrase, to be shielded by God's power? I suppose it's a bit like a force field. If you've seen the film The Incredibles, there's Violet there who shields her family from all the bullets and threats that the baddies throw at them. And so too, our Heavenly Father shields us. Our Heavenly Father keeps us in his powerful grasp and shields us so that we'd be presented to him on the last day as blameless and holy. He keeps us by the power of his love. As despite all the sufferings that we might face, he will keep us until the very last day 
even throughout all the trials that we face, because trials that we have have a purpose. And Peter encourages his listeners in that, in these hard times, saying, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. And he wants to encourage his readers, his listeners, to rejoice in their trials. Not to see them as meaningless, but actually to see them as meaningful. As he speaks of all kinds of trials. So it's not just, not just suffering for being a Christian, but suffering in every way. It means suffering as you go through the challenge of maybe having lost a loved one. Suffering as you feel burnt out, as you try to parent your children in extremely changeable and stressful times. It means going through the trial of waiting for a life partner who loves Jesus, maybe just as much as you do. It means looking for a job and yet struggling to get one. It means struggling with physical illness, trying to free yourself from the anxiety of catching COVID as the media bombards you with fear. It means struggling with anxiety and depression in general. And even when it feels like someone has stolen the sun from the sky, amazingly, Peter calls each of us to rejoice. He doesn't just say rejoice, but rejoice greatly. Greatly rejoice. Why? Because you have come, these come so that the genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. That as we go through every trial, any trial in our life, as a follower of Jesus, it will prove the genuineness of our faith. As God tests us through the fires of trials, that we will come out the other end purer, deeper, richer and stronger in faith and isn't that the case really when you speak to Christians who have gone through immense suffering they just have such a richness such a depth to their faith and so all trials shape us but the most important thing friends is that they can also shape us to harden us but do not be Hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, as it says in Hebrews. But let these trials shape you. Shape you to be more like Jesus. That all our trials will result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. As God will use our sufferings now to shape us for glory then, on the last day. And even though we have not seen Jesus, the Apostle Peter says to us, you love him, you believe in him, and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. The inexpressible and glorious joy, which by believing in Jesus Christ will lead to the salvation of your soul. And therefore, if that is true of you this morning, You can be filled with inexpressible and glorious joy by the salvation of your soul. Because our souls rejoice 
in our salvation. Our souls rejoice in our salvation. But if it's not true of you this morning, then I would invite you to come to Jesus this morning, right now, to admit your sin before him and to believe that he has paid for your sin in full. And won't you come to him this morning and receive him as Lord of your life and the Savior of your soul? To know Jesus is to know the amazing privileges of your salvation, of our salvation. As Peter goes on to say, concerning this salvation, the salvation the prophets who spoke of, the grace that was to come to you, searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have been, who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Just as the apostle Peter is inspired by the Holy Spirit, so too were the Old Testament prophets. But interestingly, they didn't know the details of what they were proclaiming. Amazingly, as it says in verse 11, it was the Spirit of Christ that was working in them. The Spirit of Christ predicted the suffering that the Messiah would have to go through. And the most well-known prophet when it comes to suffering surely is Isaiah, when he speaks about the suffering servant in Isaiah 52 and 53. And so the prophets like Isaiah and many others, well, they, they preached on the future reality that the Christ would suffer and die before entering glory. And this is the amazing privilege that you and I share, that we have this privilege this morning. The same Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, has now been given to us. As we hear the gospel preached in the power of the Spirit, the same Spirit works in us to worship our Lord Jesus Christ. And these are the amazing privileges that we share as believers on this side of the cross. The Old Testament prophets, well, they looked into these things, they looked into them, and they couldn't see what was happening. And it says, even angels long to look into these things. Isn't that awesome? Even angels longed to look into these things. It makes me think, actually, about the scene on Easter morning when Mary saw angels in John chapter 20. And Mary Magdalene was heartbroken, and she went to the tomb of Jesus And she clearly knew about the death of Jesus. She bent down and looked into the tomb. And there she saw two angels. And the angels asked her, Mary, why are you crying? 
Why are you crying? To which she said, they've taken my Lord's body away and I don't know where they've put him. And she turned round and Jesus was standing there calling her name. And this morning, Jesus is calling your name. Jesus is calling your name. Will you come to Jesus this morning if you have not yet? He calls us to come to him. To know the joy of our salvation. And if we do know Jesus Christ, then we can rejoice. We can rejoice in our salvation because the whole Trinity has redeemed you. We can rejoice because we have a heavenly inheritance kept in heaven for us. We can rejoice because we have amazing privileges. And we know that every trial, all trials in our life have a purpose. As we look towards the amazing privileges that even angels long to look into. But as we, as followers of Jesus Christ, now enjoy the salvation of our souls. What a joy it is to be a Christian. I wouldn't want to be anything else. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for the amazing privileges that we have as your children. We thank you for the wonder of our salvation, for the fact that you saved us, you you, uh, brought us back by the full work of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Lord, help us to see that every trial, all trials in our life, help us to be shaped to be more like Jesus as we look forward to the last day, to the salvation of our souls. And so, Lord, help us to be filled with an inexpressible and wonderful joy. In Jesus' name, amen. be good to go out with those words in our head today, won't it? Those words from that beautiful verse, gorgeous verse. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, before we leave today, I just have it on my heart. I, I, I want to pray for two groups of people, uh, just to pray for God's blessing. Now, the first one, I think Colin challenged it. Is God calling you today? Are you someone who's heard the gospel message? Maybe you've even been to church for several years, but have you been talking about Jesus, but you've not yet invited him to be your personal Lord and saviour. Because Jesus is not an intellectual concept, is he? He's not an idea to stay in your head. He's a relationship with God to be had, a personal relationship. He's offering you forgiveness of sin. He's dealing with the parts of you that are ungodly, the parts that deserve God's wrath, the parts that separate you from God. 
And he offers eternal life in heaven. He fills you with his spirit once you repent. And then he guides you for the rest of your life. He will fill you with that love and that joy that we've been talking about this morning. He fills you with his very presence. And there's only one thing that you need to do. And that is to ask him into your life. To ask him to be your Lord, to be your saviour. So is that something that you're ready to do this morning? I believe God is prompting you and... When the Holy Spirit is touching your heart, sometimes you feel your heart's beating a bit faster. This is the time to repent and turn to Jesus. And if that's you today, let's just follow me as we pray. Let's pray now. Pray in your heart. Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. I've put myself at the center of my life. I've rejected you as my king. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you were raised to life. I believe that you have the power to forgive me, to forgive my sins, to give me new life, eternal life. So Lord, I turn to you now and I ask that you forgive me. Please wash me clean. And give me a new life with you at the center. Holy Spirit, please fill me now so that I may serve you for the rest of my life. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer this morning, please come and talk to us at some point afterwards because one of the greatest joys for us as Christians is to hear, isn't it, of the salvation of other people. So if you made that salvation decision today, please talk to us. Now, just before we go, there's one other group I've been on my heart for at least a month, and that is we've been talking about joy as Christians, and yet I think post-lockdown we've had fear and bad news and deaths and hospitalizations and isolation and I think many of us have lost our sense of joy that glorious joy that we were talking about today and I just think Jesus wants us to just receive afresh of his joy it's the fruit of the spirit isn't it joy so I'd just like to pray for those that feel like they're burdened they're anxious they're stressful they're depressed Let's just pray a fresh anointing now. If that's you, maybe just hold your hands out and receive of the Lord just to wash away those that fear and that anxiety and stress and replace it with his peace and his joy. Let's pray. Lord, it's been a tough year. Each day we've heard on the news of deaths caused by this plague. We've been starved of fellowship, Lord. We've not been able to praise you in the same way that we did before. And some of us, Lord, are living in fear and anxiety rather than the joy that we've been talking about today. Father God, please release us from unnecessary fear. Help us to get risk into perspective, Lord. Help us to trust you with everything. Lord Jesus, you conquered death and we trust you with our very lives. Holy Spirit, please fill us afresh with your peace 
and your joy right now as we come to the end of this fellowship time this morning. Help us to leave this service, Lord, with a renewed sense of hope in that certain knowledge that our eternal destinies are in your hands. Please bless us now as we go. Thank you, Father. Amen.